This is the OMA podcast. On this podcast, you will find great ideas from industry experts in the commercial office space to make sure that your next project goes a little better. We'll be trying to share great ideas, insights from careers dedicated to making the commercial process a little better. I hope you enjoy. Hey, everybody. Uh, thank you for listening to the OMA podcast. I'm so excited to have three insanely talented and intelligent uh, guests on here. We're talking specifically about how OMA um, has impacted Move Solutions, how it, it has impacted on so many different levels. We've got uh, leadership, management, sales. We're going to be able to listen to sort of the perspective of OMA and how OMA impacts their projects from all kinds of different uh, perspectives. And I'm really excited about having Pat Zagurski, Amy Linton, Megan Manette, just really like super, super talented people at their individual responsibilities. And I just want to thank all three of you guys for uh, taking time out of your day to, to be on the show. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Mike. Well, hey, Pat, we're going to start with you. So, uh, oh, great. Yeah, Pat, why don't you go ahead, tell us a little bit about your responsibilities and really how has, how has OMA specifically impacted those responsibilities? Okay, um, a little bit about my role. I'm vice president of Move Solutions. And as part of that role, we've got different offices throughout the state of Texas um, that we've got brick and mortar offices. And my role is to uh, manage, oversee, work with the different layers of management uh, at those locations, um, and then work with uh, specifically OMA to broaden our footprint. Uh, so uh, if you take our brick and mortar stores, we're also able to then support projects throughout the nation using our uh, OMA network. Um, as far as their impact on us, um, it's been uh, pretty remarkable. Um, what we've been able to do is say, here's where we normally traditionally did business um, out of our Dallas, Fort Worth, uh, Austin, San Antonio, and Houston offices to expand into now we can offer that same footprint is pretty much throughout North America. And then we've got OMA partners uh, across the, uh, uh, the country and for that matter, overseas. So we can certainly support projects in Europe and Asia. And so it's really broadened our ability to offer our services to our customer base. I appreciate it. Amy, tell us a little bit about you, your, uh, your responsibilities, and how has OMA impacted that? So I'm the general manager of our Dallas office, and I manage, uh, I have 10 sales reps here. I was formerly the general manager of our Austin office as well. So I've had um, over a decade plus of experience directly with OMA partners. Um, as a sales level and as a management level. Um, I think the thing that's really impacted me the most is I have the ability to call someone that's at my level or above and get advice from other people um, to get a little feedback on how they would handle a situation um, in their city before we actually develop a you know, response to an RFP um, when my salespeople are sitting with me and we're going through those things. I can really have a discussion at a high level with someone that's my peer uh, in the industry with the experience that I might not have in their market. Um, that, that has really helped um, format some larger uh, nationwide in, and international contracts that we've discussed uh, because I would never have had anybody else to call. So I think for me in management, that's probably the biggest impact it's had. Um, I'll let Megan talk to the sales side. I did the sales side as well, um, but uh, she has a little bit more experience with that these days. 
No, I, I, Amy, I agree hundred percent. I, uh, you know, when I was in the, the furniture industry here in Atlanta and if I had a, and we've got plenty of fortune, you know, 50 companies in Atlanta, when I would go do a project out of market, we were kind of, uh, out of luck, you know, yeah. not having those peer relationships to be able to call. I, I know I, I, I envy you having that opportunity because there was times I had, you know, one of my biggest clients and I was trying to do just like a, like a two room project in DC. I almost lost my yeah. client because of like, I, I not only did I not get the A team, I didn't get the B team. I didn't get the C team. I don't even know what their D team was, but that that's good <laughs> to hear. I like that a lot. Megan, when it comes to, uh, when it comes to move solutions, what, what are your general responsibilities and, and how has OMA impacted that? Well, um, at the moment I am in sales. I'm one of Amy's uh, 10 sales reps. I've been in sales just under two years in the Dallas market. And I am um, responsible for local, regional, um, national, and um, international to a point Canada um, moves. And um, OMA has open doors for me that I didn't even know were possible. Not only as Amy was saying, but the experience level of the people that I'm talking to, but the willingness to help in the, in the, really the willingness to help in, in whether it's a, a question about, Hey, how do I do this? Or, Hey, I need this. What can I do? I I'm, what do I do? And, um, you know, in those markets. And so Oma's really, really helped me not have to say no to my client which of course that's not anything, anything we ever really want to say to our client. So Elma has been incredible for my sales platform. Yeah. I, I almost wanted to ask you who was your favorite Elma partner to work with on the projects you did last year, but I didn't want to put you in a bad spot. <laughs> All of them. <laughs> All of them. <laughs> they really, have, they really have done a great job of just the, the, the immediate response and the, and that was me. Sometimes there were times where I had to call that person at the top level. It says, Hey, I've got something crazy. Can you help T call Megan? And they're absolutely, you know, just mm -hmm. drop what they're doing. And that right there has made it a game changer for us as an organization. Um, just knowing you have that support, you've constantly got somebody that's got your back um, has been a, a real positive in our future and our past. That's good. Absolutely. And, and I mean, 27 OMA members, 103 projects in the last nine months to a very, very difficult client base. I can't say thank you enough to the people that I have been fortunate. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Megan, 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 walk us through it again. You did projects with 27 different OMA partners last year. 103 projects. But wasn't there a shutdown last year and you were still, you were still doing all this. Uh, that's, that's pretty incredible. I I'm guessing that was an OMA record. Like, has anybody ever done that? Not that we know of. No. Okay. Well, we're Megan, we're now claiming you OMA world champion for 2020. <laughs> Just you. thought I'd let you know. So you officially are. Hey, Pat, talk mm -hmm. to us about some like, you know, systems and structure, like with this, having this beast of a, of a, um, of a team to work with, what type of things have you put in place to help move solutions sort of get the most out of that, that OMA tool? Yeah, a great question and love to expand on that. So um, as we started doing more and more business through our OMA partners, um, we absolutely saw the need that we needed to structure this so that we could make sure that we're supporting our OMA partners when they're sending us business, taking care of their clients in such a way that upper management had instant visibility that an OMA partner was requesting um, work activity for us. 
and so that upper management could get involved in the decisions and so that our operations group, so it's not only supported top down for management, but actually bottom up. So what we, we put in place is through our custom CRM system, when an OMA partner requests us to do work for them, all the way down to the individual work order that the crews are dispatched out to go do that work, it marks and registers that as an OMA partner to draw emphasis to this is very important. We, we, we take care of an OMA project the same way we would with a referral from a commercial real estate entity, is we've really got two masters to serve on a project like that. We've got the end user that's got to be taken care of and everything done correctly for them. But we've also got the person that referred us that business that may have their own objectives that we need to meet and satisfy as well, where during the middle of a project, it happens pretty darn regularly is what was quoted and the scope of work that was described changes slightly, or in some cases, dramatically. <laughs> um, and there's need for change orders, need for communication with the OMA partners. And what we've tried to do is structure the company really so that um, senior management all the way down to the mover in the field has visibility of the importance of that. And then we put in place tools so that if there is a change out in the field that we can give that visibility pretty much instantly to our OMA partner so that they know what's going on out in the field. And certainly Amy can speak to that a little bit more on the process side of here's the tools that we put in place. Um, but from a structure, we've tried to design it so that, and we really, it was pretty much sit in a room and this is probably about 10 years ago. And how do we structure the organization to take uh, an OMA project and be the, the best OMA partner that we can be? And I know that that seems cliche or, oh, that's great to hear from, from somebody, but we really did take that approach. It was a, as much as about the change in structure, it was about the change in attitude. And, and we really took that attitude and put that to work for each of the levels of management all the way down to the field worker to make sure that we all had that attitude of how do we need to, uh, what do we need to do to be the best OMA partner that we can be? Mm -hmm. I bet you that carried over into everything though. Like I, I got to think that if it was a, even a one-off, someone moving a chair from the seventh floor to the fifth floor to a, a 27 OMA partner project. I mean, that, that just permeates through the whole company, doesn't it, Pat? Yeah, but from a, you know, from a culture standpoint, what, what's uh, unique and, and, and satisfying, gratifying even, um, is that when you make changes like this and you can recognize that here's what we want to do for an OMA partner, well, that spills over into the organization company-wide. Then it's certainly OMA partners are, are very important. We're going to take great care of them. But that same culture spills out into every single client that we do work for. And so it's really helped us, whether we're involved involved in an OMA project or not of management's involved all the way down to the field worker, making sure that we've dotted the I's, crossed the T's um, and ended that experience for the customer with a handshake and a thank you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There was a um, actually a great one of the, uh, I got really big on habits last year, Pat, on, um, mm -hmm. on books. And one of the, uh, the books I read was sort of like impacting habits and interruption for habits. And it was the CEO, he came from the government and he took over um, all, uh, Alcon, um, the Alcon giant Labs. aluminum company, right? Oh, okay, yeah. And, and there, was a bit, there was a lot of pressure between the unions and the leadership and all this other stuff. And he said, look, here's my plan. He said, we're going to be the safest company. We're going to be so safe. 
And he implemented that. And in his time at Alcon, over the course of 10 years, they had the greatest, you know, increase in shareholder value and everything. Because when he focused on just safety, because then all of a sudden the unions were like, well, how do you argue with leadership that wants to, you know, improve safety, right? You can't argue with that. And, but he just put all these systems in place that they were the safest. They actually had the less downtime. They less, and that's where like, it sounds like even OMA is almost doing that, right? Like if you raise the bar because this is the OMA standard, the only byproduct is that all of Move Solutions improves, correct? Absolutely. And, and that's spot on is, is you know, it's almost like um, I'd, I'd hate to equate it to you know, you're losing weight and which is better. Okay, I'm losing weight, therefore I feel better. Or you, you've adopted a new philosophy and you feel better because you are losing weight. Which, which is it? Is it that I'm losing weight that's making me feel better or I feel better, therefore I'm losing weight and and I know weight's probably not the best topic. We all got the COVID-10 on, right? Yeah. Um, um, so maybe it is apropos. So. <laughs> uh, Pat, I'm not going to edit that out. I'm going to let you kind of just hang out there with that one, okay? So we're going to move on. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Amy, Amy, uh, talk to me specifically, right? I, I think Pat got a little bit into process, but like what processes are you seeing that help you most when when it comes to dealing with other OMA partners? And, and what have you kind of learned through the, through the processes you put in place? So um, I am what's called the OMA sales response team, the SRT. So everything that comes from OMA comes directly through me. Um, that was something that we implemented. I'm not sure if we implemented that before OMA decided to implement it or vice versa, or it kind of came at the same time. But um, the helpful part of that is, is that brings the process to one person and that one person can then decipher what project is better for what salesperson, what mentality, you know, what type of, of client is it? How quick is it? What, how complex is it? Um, give me the details of what it is so I can give you the appropriate person to then execute at that, that level of excellence that we kind of set our standard at. Um, that rolls into um, what's called a lovely OMA RFP that we have internally in our custom CRM um, that we derived from uh, an RFP that OMA actually created to get all of us to, on the same page to kind of give everybody the information we needed in order to go do a walkthrough with a client. Uh, we've implemented that into our own CRM and then OMA itself has their own work order process that we all register our um, interactions between each other. So then we can kind of see where the, you know, what kind of volume is OMA doing as a whole. Um, so my role as the SRT is to manage that level at an internal level. So, you know, everybody, every OMA partner should have their own internal process of how they handle uh, OMA projects or projects from someone outside of their own city um, where they have brick and mortar, as well as adhering to whatever the OMA requirements are. So that way we're all on the same um, understanding of this is an organization that we, we kind of turned from a, hey, I know you, do you know somebody in California? Do you know somebody in Ohio? To this organization that has turned into this giant web of wonderful people that we've just derived all of these these interactions and we've commingled them into kind of a streamlined process across the facilities. That way I know what's going on, even if it came out of our San Antonio office, I know that salesperson is working on, on something in DC. And I know who to call if that person has an issue to, to make sure that we can all serve our clients successfully. Because the end result is, is our OMA partners are amazing, but we want them to look amazing in the eyes of their clients. So whether they're working for us or we're working for them, 
we all kind of have to have a process of our own to make sure that's successful for everybody. I like it. I like it, Amy. All right, Megan, this is a tough question because this is where the, the rubber hits the road. So we got Pat building all these, these great, you know, structure systems. We got Amy supporting you with insane process. You've got this whole OMA umbrella. You did over a hundred projects, 27 different partners. Did it work? It did. It did? Absolutely. We didn't have one failure whatsoever. It's okay. You know, I, it's, it's just us talking, Megan. You could tell no. us. Like, did it actually work? It's just yes. you and me. 100% worked. All right. All right. What is it? Like, what did you see? Like, now that you kind of just re, just re recently heard Pat and Amy talk about it, like, what were, was it about those systems they put in place that helped you be able to pull that off last year? You know, they really put a, a structure together. And, and following the structure, you know, it works. It's a recipe for success. You know, too much information is never enough information in these kinds of times. And when I can't fly there because of, you know, the pandemic, I have to be able to have somebody that I can trust, feet, boots on the ground. Hey, look, how would you handle this? I need you to be me on site. I know what I would do and being able to talk that process out um, while while also supporting my client and helping them be successful on the ground. The RFP system that, that we have and that OMA has and everything um, has been first class. Um, yeah, communication is absolutely key. And that is really the only way that, that this whole thing was pulled off. Um, little pieces of information really do matter. And, and I learned that a lot, a lot of times. So um, I couldn't be more grateful to the OMA partners that I did work with on, on them bringing their experience into my projects. I mean, it, it usually takes about three years to bring a, a salesperson up to speed and getting thrown into last year, you know, I, I'm really grateful for the people that I was able to work with and, and them helping support me and asking the right questions every single time. Uh, sounds, sounds good. I, I, I love, I love the fact that, um, we actually have sort of like the visionary of Pat kind of putting this big picture together and Amy implementing it. But then Megan, like if it didn't work, it wasn't going to work last year. So good job. <laughs> good job. Like nice, nice job. All right, guys, this is our, our, our final question. So everybody just kind of gets to go around. If someone, someone's listening, maybe they've got a, a, a multi city project coming up in 2021 or 2022, What's the good, really good piece of advice you could give them? And you can't say, call me. That's not the advice you can give them. The advice has to be like legit. Like what are some things that, that they need to be aware of, some pitfalls that they should have a heads up about? And Amy, I'm going to start with you. So, you know, again, I'm somebody listening. I've got a multi uh, facility project coming up. What's a good piece of advice you can give that person that's listening? Um, I'm going to tell you that verbal vomiting, which is an awful thing to say, but every single detail that you can tell me that you think means absolutely nothing to me, it will either help me or help you, right? I can either come up with a solution that says, Hey, by the way, you need to think about calling your voice and data cabling guy, or, Oh, have you talked to your furniture people? The earlier that you can get the information to people, to, to people that are in the process of doing the move the better. A lot of times we're the last ones to be called in when a lot of times we kind of can solve some things pretty easily early on that impact you a lot less financially later. So as much detail as you can get as early as you can get 
And even idle conversation that's, you know, water cooler chatter sometimes comes up with great ideas that can really minimize some bigger issues later on down the road. I love it. I think that's my big. No, it's good. Megan, you're going to be next. So Megan, again, somebody's got a, you know, again, multi-facility project coming up, you know, give them a, give them a heads up. What's your one piece of advice to kind of uh, just kind of keep your eye on the horizon. What, What do you got for them, Megan? You know, I would follow up with Amy's about communication, write it down, put it in an email, you know, phone calls, you get a hundred of them a day, put it into an email, put it in writing, make sure everybody sees it and in relationships. It's about relationships. It's about who you know. It's about the, Hey, how are you? How's the family? Hey, by the way, I have this need. How do I do it? Or can you support me? I mean, first week of the pandemic, I, I had client in, you know, New York city. Hey, I have three things that I need to shut down and Jeff Silverstein and the advanced group jumping to it without even a question or, you know, beacons in Seattle with my Christensen. It's just, it's about relationships. It's about communication. It's about those, get it in writing a hundred percent of the time. Too much information is never enough information and always ask questions. Awesome. Pat, I, I, I know this isn't your first weekend moving. Um, did no. you say 30, was it 31 years? Is that, how many years? 31 years in right. solutions. Yeah. So 31 years, I, Amy and Megan just gave, you know, probably covered about 90%. But Pat, I want you to get a little more granular. I'm, I'm, I got a project coming up. What do I need to have a heads up about? Let me know. Sure. Um, so a, a couple of things that are the real world, right? You've got a, you've got a project coming up is first establish timeframes for the projects. Okay. What, when do you need to be out of the space? When are you going to be in the new space? What are you going to do with the furniture? Establish, you've got to have a timeline to work off of. Then you can start backing into what suppliers are going to support your needs um, to accomplish those milestones, right? Um, and then uh, Megan and, and Amy both touched on it. Then it's about what's the detail to accomplish each of those milestones, right? So now you've, you've kind of worked into here's the time frame I've got. Here's the suppliers that potentially need to be involved, or at least the industries. We're going to do the moving then, the furniture then. I'm going to have to have a GC involved prior to that. Um, is there decommissioning? Am I going to have to do real estate? Um, and so kind of pick what each of those industry segments are, then start identifying suppliers. But to Megan's point and to Amy's point is, then it's about relationships. Call somebody that you trust. Don't call somebody that's going to sell you something. Call somebody that's going to consult with you and help, help you try to solve those needs, even if it's not them. Um, you know, I, and this isn't just me being boastful or whatever, but I have relationships with a lot of commercial real estate entities and I'm just a discussion point with them. They bounce ideas off me. I'm not the vendor necessarily that's helping them, but over the 31 years, as you so kindly pointed out, um, we've seen a lot of things. And so we can help across lots of different industries. And so whether it's with a, an end user client or commercial real estate entity, architect design firm, um, we work with them on a consultation, consultative basis to make sure that we can identify, here's those milestones, here's the, the, the events that need to sequence out in the right order um, so that that project can be successful. And then obviously when you bring on board, you know, the detail really comes into play is, write a detailed scope of work for the movers of the furniture vendors, that kind of stuff. I love it guys. Kind of I love it. All right. I'm going to put all of your, um, all your connections uh, in the, in the show notes. So if anybody wants to get in touch with Pat, Megan, or Amy, your uh, LinkedIn will be in there. I'll probably throw your emails in there too. So anybody wants to get in touch with them um, and pick their brains, 
but I really want to take uh, really just gratitude. The three of you are, you know, insanely talented. You're an absolute joy to spend some time with. You're, uh, you're, thank you for sharing your knowledge with everyone. Really appreciate it. Can I say one last thing? No. Yes. <laughs> what do you want, Amy? Go ahead. <laughs> I just want to say, I think the reason that we have success with OMA is because of us and our commitment to serve the OMA community with excellence. I love Whether it. it's whether it's something coming into us or out of us as a, as a result of somebody's, you know, us performing work for people, we are truly grateful for the relationships that we have. And it, it's taken a lot of years to develop that trust. Um, but to be able to try to pass that on to a salesperson that says, I trust this person. Um, it, it's leaps and bounds of something I could never ask for before. I mean, it, it just, their faith in us and our faith in them makes this work. That's um, good. That's well, that's a great, that's a, that's a great thing for us to end on. Thank you so much, Amy. Thanks again, guys. We'll talk soon. All right. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Mike. Thank you for listening to the OMA podcast. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, take a minute to like and share the podcast. And if you'd like to learn more about OMA, go to officemovingalliance.com.